How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. We're contenders, man. They didn't make the playoffs last year, but we're looking to change that and win big. The ring is the ultimate goal for everybody on the team. I know it is for me. When they talked to me and told me about the pieces they were adding alongside the players who were already there, I didn't think anything less than a championship. We're trying to get the Knicks back into the playoffs and win big. Everybody is hungry and everybody has their own motivation or chip on their shoulder. We just need to come together, get that chemistry and see it click. Once everybody is together and everybody is hungry, I think we can be very scary. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Fantrax and Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and as always you can find me on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble. We are back with another of the season preview podcasts. We're three down. This is the fourth one. We're still in the Eastern Conference for these uh, season previews. No uh, no East Coast bias here. It's just the way that it's uh, that's working out at the moment. We're going to be covering the New York Knicks in today's podcast if you couldn't tell from the uh, the opening quote. And to help me talk everything uh, about the New York Knicks, I'm joined by the host of the Locked On Knicks podcast, Jared Dubin. Jared, how are you going? I'm doing great, man. How about you? Thanks for having me. I'm uh, I'm good. It's uh, it's good to have you on. And uh, as as I mentioned, Jared, you are the host of the the Locked On Knicks podcast. So give the podcast a plug. What uh, episodes you might have uh, recently recorded or you've got coming up, and anything else you want to give a plug. Let's get that out of the way now. Yeah, well, we did two episodes this week. Uh, this is Friday that we're recording this. We had one earlier in the week with Matt Moore, uh, you know, from CBSSports.com, talking about uh, Phil Jackson and the triangle offense, and then one on Wednesday afternoon with Chris Herring of the Wall Street Journal talking about Carmelo Anthony and athlete activism, uh, how the reaction to you know Carmelo's activism differed from that of Colin Kaepernick, uh, all different things about, you know, the... The, the treatment of people of different races in the country and, and how athletes have spoken out on it. And uh, it's a really interesting podcast. Chris had great stuff on that. And uh, we had a really good talk about it. Uh, I recommend that you go and listen to both those. Matt, Matt's a, a, everyone knows Matt from CBS Sports and uh, on Twitter at uh, HP Basketball, the founder of Hardwood Paroxysm. And, uh, and and Chris is fantastic. I've heard him a couple of times. On, I think I heard him on Tim Bontemps' podcast at one stage. Yeah. He's, he's he's awesome at that. I haven't listened to your one yet, but I will definitely, it's in my queue to, to get around to it. But I do suggest that everyone uh, subscribes to Locked On Knicks as well as this podcast and leave us both a, a five-star review and a, and, a, and a rating would be great as well just to get the word out, retweet it, and uh, yeah, definitely listen to those shows jared let's talk new york knicks in uh in all these preview podcasts and once i open the site over at basketball monster myself and uh matt and kyle over there we've asked three questions about each team we're each giving an answer over in some written form over there but i'm i'm throwing those three questions to each of these guests that i have on these podcasts so you're the knicks guy so let's talk about the three questions we've got set out here for the knicks and the first one is will the presence of Derek rose hinder or help christophs porzingis porzingis I think I'm, I'm of two minds about this. Uh, I think that, you know, undoubtedly it will reduce the number of touches he had from last season just because 
Rose has the ball so much in his hands, and, and if he doesn't, then he's not going to be much of a help to anyone because he's not a shooter and he's not necessarily a guy that is you know making making a ton of cuts that draw the defense either it's you know he's attacking with the ball in his hands or he's a negative on offense and the fact that he's going to have the ball so much and obviously we know with the Knicks Carmelo is going to have the ball so much so so Kristaps will touch the ball less I think but I but there are also situations you know because of what Rose does when he does have the ball that will create easier baskets for Kristaps. And that's not even necessarily off the pass, you know. And, and Kristaps himself mentioned this in an interview earlier this summer. You know, when Rose goes to the basket and he misses a layup, that's an opportunity for him to get those tip slams that he loves. And because Rose draws so much attention on his way to the basket, that opens up even more of those opportunities than, than maybe he had last season. Um, the, the big thing that people have focused on with Rose is that pick-and-pop game with Porzingis, and that's you know where the biggest question mark comes for me. I don't necessarily know how much that's going to work for the two of them. Um, you know, Teams tend to go under the screen on Rose so they can cut off his drive, and uh, if they're doing that, then the big man isn't necessarily having to cut off the, the path to the basket as well. And um, and Chris Epps may not be as wide open as people think for those pop out threes off uh, pick and pops. So he's he's sort of projecting as a as a third option on offense, which I, I don't think is ideal for for this team and for him moving forward. You know, Mallow's going to get the bulk of the shots. Rose probably second, and then you have you know, Chris Epps coming in as that third option, but. I, I see it sort of balancing out a little bit from last season. All those things you mentioned are true, and the attention—the attention that Rose draws—is massive. And we know how how well you know, Chris Stapps played in terms of you know, finishing up those misses last season. And when he's got more of an opportunity, instead of it being Jose Calderon driving and it's Derek Rose, and there's you know, two guys heading towards Rose, and then he can come in from the side, that helps. But I think that Porzingis plays. You know, significantly more minutes this season, so you know, his overall yeah. production will, should look improved, but it might not necessarily, on a per minute basis, be a huge increase, which you generally expect from a first to second year player. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, you know, he only played like twenty eight minutes a game last year, I think. Um, you know, per thirty six, he was eighteen points, nine rebounds, I think, almost two and a half blocks a game. Yeah, you know, that's that's already. You know, if he actually played 36 minutes, that's, you know, close to all-star big man level numbers, assuming that he keeps, you know, his his defensive bona fides that he showed last year up at the same level. But I don't necessarily think he makes a leap above those numbers per 36. You know, it may look like his numbers got better if he plays eight more minutes a game. You know, let's let's say he gets to 18 and 9. You know, that would be terrific. Uh, But that would also be keeping up basically the same level of production. I think he might do it on a slightly more efficient basis just because you'd expect his three-point percentage to go up this year, and that was about a quarter of his shots last season. Um, you know, And this is something Chris Herring has written about and I've talked about on the Locked on Knicks podcast where you know European guys that come over do tend to improve their three-point shooting uh, as they get older, and especially over their first season. The one guy that wasn't true of was Andrea Bargnani, and uh, I think we all think that that Kristaps is not going to wind up being a Bargnani. So I would imagine that his his outside shooting will improve, 
and that would raise his level of efficiency. Yeah, I think that's almost a guarantee. Like he was 42% from the field last season and just 33% from three. And if he just jumps those up by by one and a half, two percent, like that almost offsets you know, Derek Rose maybe taking not taking a shot out of his hand, but taking a, a potential increase in shots out of his hand. I still think Puzingas is going to be monstrous this season. I think he's going to put together you know, really, really big numbers. And you, you reference 18 and, and 9. I think that he can get to that not even in playing 36 minutes and you know, blocking shots and hitting one and a half threes a game and being efficient from the free throw line. I think people are going to be surprised at you know, playing an extra five minutes a night, which is what I think he can do this year. It's It puts such a big boost onto numbers it's a significant amount that's almost oh yeah it's it's, it's almost 20 like percent higher 20 percent increase exactly yeah it's it's such a big big difference plus i think that you know hornacek and i hope that he plays at a slightly elevated pace as well which increases his numbers too do you think hornacek will do that will, will increase the pace you would, you would hope so they've been talking about it a lot um and it's something that fits well with both of the point guards they signed uh, yep. in rose and brandon jennings but We've seen, I think, Knicks teams and Carmelo Anthony teams talk before about increasing the pace and getting up and down the floor. And, you know, Carmelo's teams tend to play around the same pace other than those, uh, I think it was his last two years in Denver and his two years with Mike D'Antoni. You know, for the most part, Carmelo teams aren't all that fast. Um, So it'll be interesting to see that push and pull between you know, the point guards and Hornacek and Kristaps being a good fit for that as well. And even guys like Courtney Lee or Kosminskis, who they signed uh, over the summer, being good fits for faster-paced offenses. But then you look at somebody like Joachim Noah is probably more of a half-court slowdown guy at this point. Carmelo has, has always been uh, more of that. So, you know, I would expect they won't be the slowest team in the league like they've been. Uh, I, I don't know if they were actually the slowest last year, but it was pretty close. No, down so the water. At, at least a few possessions increase, but not necessarily seeing them playing, you know, like 100 possession games. Like if they can get up uh, into the mid 90s rather than the low 90s, I think that's an imp- uh, an improvement for them. Yeah, I think look, last season they they went at about 95 possessions a game, which is it's pretty slow. So I think that they they should be able to increase uh, on that. Now you mentioned uh, Joe Kim Noah. That's our next question that we're going to ask. The question that we asked here is: Can Joe Kim Noah be a standard league fantasy relevant for the entirety of the season? Now I'm not going to ask you the, the fantasy portion of that, but let's transition to that. Can Noah? be useful can he play a decent amount of minutes can he regain some of the form no he's not going to get back to that form that saw him finish top five in the mvp and be defensive player of the year i don't think anyone expects that but can he be better than what we've seen from last season well i think the 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 fantasy question and the encore question are both related to the same issue which is can he stay healthy yeah um you know he only played he played 29 games last season uh, missed 15 games, I think, the season before. Uh, ha- has had seasons where he's missed 18 games, 18 games, 34 games. Uh, you know, before the, uh, the the two seasons where he played, uh, he played 80 out of 82 one year. Played 80 out of 82 earlier in his career. 74 out of 82. So, I mean, over the last few years, he's not really played that much. I think in the last two years. He's actually played fewer games than Rose. Yeah, that's because yeah, that's right. He only played twenty nine last season, sixty seven the season before, and you know those two seasons, 
you know, he's on a trend now of five years in a row, his field goal percentage has gone down. Yep. Uh, 2010 11, 52.5, then 50.8, 48.1, 47.5, 44.5, finally all the way down to 38.3 last year. Um, you know, he, he did do better rebounding last season, and I think his assist numbers might have been up as well. Yeah, they were. But the, the steals and blocks have been going down a little bit. The efficiency has been going down. The The thing about it is that the Knicks aren't counting on him, I think, to do quite as much as he did in Chicago. It's more going to be be on the court for 20, 25 minutes a night, play defense, do some facilitating from the elbows. I really don't think he's going to be counted on to do much more than that. Hopefully that will help him both that will help him stay healthy but I do think that minimizes you know I know you're going to address this question on your own but I do think that minimizes the fantasy impact if he's not touching the ball as much you know like he's not going to have I don't think you know the the four five six assist averages just because I mean he's going to be fourth or maybe even fifth in the pecking order for touches on offense with in the starting lineup so you mentioned his his minutes, you know, saying twenty to twenty five minutes. I I would have thought he could have. I don't think he gets to thirty, but I thought he would have. You know, maybe high twenties, twenty eight ish minutes. If he's only getting twenty five, what what are the Knicks doing then at at center? Are they they playing Porzingis more at the five. Who's getting in there? Is it going to be Hernan Gomez? Are they going to finally get Kylo Quinn onto the court? Like, how are they going to fill the rest of those minutes out if you don't think that Noah's you know, capable of playing close to thirty? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that they should want him to play close to 30 because they should want him to be healthy. So to me, you know, the the 25 range is what they should be targeting. And then, yeah, Chris Stapps at center for, you know, 10-plus minutes a night, I would think is a good idea. Hernan Gomez, Kylo Quinn, I think both of those guys can potentially factor in. Um, they signed Marshall Plumley. I don't think he's necessarily going to play all that much. But if they, again, decide that they don't like what they see from O'Quinn, then I would imagine he'd be the guy in the mix after that, you know, after O'Quinn and Hernan Gomez. Um, You know, I don't imagine that they're going to go crazy small with Carmelo at center at all, Um, just because that that takes both Noah and Chris Dabbs off the court and doesn't use any of the backups. But I I think if Noah winds up around that 25-minute mark, then it will be, you know, Chris Dabbs for 12 minutes at center, and then 12 minutes for Hernan Gomez or Kyle O'Quinn, whoever winds up winning uh, that job. If if Noah gets 25 minutes a night, there is no chance that he should have any place in any fantasy league. Even if he gets 29 minutes, he's a borderline guy. Um, the percentages kill you. I think he shot 40% from the free throw line last season or something horrible like yeah, that. 49. Yeah, 49%, 38% from the field. That is just dreadful. And it's not on a huge amount of attempts, but it's still, it's enough to really impact you. He scored four points a game in 22 minutes. So that is just, it's almost unfathomably low. And you could concede that, he, you know, he was in a bad situation. He was playing off the bench, but you know, Mello, Porzingis, Rose, these guys are still going to be taking shots. And Noah's just, you touched on it, he's just not going to be touching the ball. You know, he might, you know, maybe he doesn't get to the nine rebounds he got last game, last season in 22 minutes, which is, is a pretty decent rate because Porzingis That's will be getting really those. good. Yeah, it's look, it's at you know, 11 and a half, oh, sorry, 14 and a half per 36, which is a, a tremendous rate, which is up three per 36 over his, uh, over his last season's performance. But yeah, does he do the, it playing uh, next to Porzingis? The rebounding and shot blocking, too, I think a lot of that is going to depend on 
which of him and Chris Stapps the teams decide they want to put directly in the pick and roll. Yep. You know, it, it might be that they say, you know, we want to test Chris Stapps' pick and roll defense, and then Noah will wind up being more of the rim protector and the rebounder. But then they might say, you know, Chris Stapps moves at this point so well. You know, he's much lighter on his feet, I think, than, you know, 31-year-old Noah. So maybe they say, you know, we want to test Noah and pick and rolls. And then his numbers might not be as good fantasy-wise, even while at that point he'd probably be having more of an on-court impact as the guy directly involved in the action. Yeah, I, I can't see any any way that I'd be looking at, at Noah in any sort of fantasy situation. It's just not... Look, I think that Porzingis' best position is the five anyway, and they will see that you know, Noah is better in a limited role, and that will play Puzingas there more and will limit what Noah can do. He's just not getting those minutes. He's not getting those touches. He's hurting you in too many areas. So he's he's definitely not someone for me. I'm not really keen on a, a bounce back. We'll talk about an, another player who's looking for somewhat of a bounce back, and that's Brandon Jennings. He didn't put up good numbers last season, but that was it's to be expected. Anyone who's coming back from an Achilles uh, surgery, let alone a, a point guard who relies upon speed and explosiveness, they're just not going to be the same player. And he possibly will never be the same player again but that's what I want to ask you can he return to some of the form that we saw from him in Detroit because there's definitely going to be games where he's going to get starts because we know that Rose isn't going to play 82 games Jennings is going to get starts can he get back to that same level of play or do you have concerns like I do yeah I definitely have concerns you know you look at the history of Achilles injuries there is not one player that returned to the same level of production that they had before the injury, you know, I'm looking at a chart from a couple of years ago in front of me, uh, just with the, the the notable guys that suffered that injury. It's Jonas Jerebko, um, Dan Dickow, Elton Brand, Mehmet Okor, Dominique Wilkins, Gerald Wilkins, Lafonso Ellis, Christian Leitner, Stanley Roberts, uh, Mo Taylor, Vashon Leonard, Kobe Bryant, Jeff Taylor, Chauncey Billups, and, and then we added. Wes Matthews to that list last year, plus Brandon Jennings. And, and Anderson and, Vergeau. And Anderson Vergeau. And I mean, the only guy that even approached, you know, a truly respectable level after that, you know, approximating what he had done before was Elton Brandt. You know, everybody else completely fell off the mat and, and was like absolutely nothing like what they were before. You know, maybe Dominique Wilkins as well uh, was, was somewhat close but not nearly, you know, the explosion that he had prior to the injury. And, and, you know, he was already uh, in his 30s when he suffered the injury. Jennings is younger, so there's not quite as large a sample size of that. But even the guys that suffered the injury in their 20s, you know, you look at Stanley Roberts, Mo Taylor, um, uh, Christian Leitner even, uh, Lafonso Ellis, none of these guys rebounded to their previous level. It's just not something that happens. The injury is too tough. But, you know, then you look, Jennings only played 18 minutes a game last year. Um, You know, he was his usual sporadically effective self and not very efficient at all. I would imagine he's going to play more than that this season, you know, even just in his capacity as this sixth or seventh man. And then he's also going to get, I think, more than seven starts this season because... Derrick Rose isn't playing all 82 games. He's not playing 75 games. You know, like he's just the likelihood of him being healthy for the whole season is extraordinarily low. And at that point, Jennings will be counted on to do even more than than what he's going to be counted on as, you know, one of the first two guys off the bench. 
Yeah, I think that's that's all exactly you know, my thoughts on it. You just don't come back from this injury ever to the same sort of level. Jennings, you might look at Jennings as shooting and go, yeah, he shot 37% from the field. Yeah, I know he's a bad shooter, but that's still you know, the worst that he's he's really ever shot. Like, So it's still a downgrade. He was at four, over 40% the year before. He saw his free throw percentage drop to 73 down from 84. And and you might say, but what what does that mean? Like he's he's not moving when he's taking free throws, but it's all to do with sort of body body balance and yep. and positioning and comfort level with where your foot's. It's just a whole different thing because your whole body over that rehab period is trying to relearn to run the same as before and take the mental side out of it and stand in the right way and all of that's part of it. You saw Wes Matthews I free think, throws maybe even more lower body yep. than straight up jump shots you know just because you're state completely stationary most guys don't jump at all you know it's they maybe go on their toes or lean forward a little bit so it's, it's so much more stress on that lower leg and that's something that you have to get used to over time yeah look and then that might st- and it will improve this season i'm pretty sure that both of those things will improve but they probably won't go back up to being a 40 and 84 shooter which he was before the injury went down so to me jennings is going to be someone that when he gets a start, sure, add him because you might get six or seven assists out of him. He might hit a three. He might get you 14 points. But to rely upon him uh, as a long-term solution and or to even think that he returns to, to that value that he had back when he was with Detroit, I, I don't think that's probably uh, probably all that smart at, at this point. But you never know. Maybe he's the guy that bucks the trend. I'm not all that, I'm not all that convinced about it. This is normally. No, the- I mean, look, it's entirely possible that he winds up being more effective than Rose. Yeah, well, like, there, that wouldn't there be is all a that difficult. Where that happens, whether it's because Rose isn't on the court or Rose can't recapture what he had before. I mean, it's, it's not like Peak Jennings was all that efficient or effective, but he did put up numbers. Yeah, look, he 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 did. He was inefficient but he could go out there and get you eighteen and seven and get one and a half to two steals and hit a couple of threes and do it poorly and do it not necessarily to the benefit of the team but the numbers would look enticing and he was a guy that yeah often you know people have fantasy biases at jared and they'll look at him and go oh jennings he's trash can't stand him he's a poor shooter and go that's that's fine but when he gets 18.7 assists two steals i'm still pretty happy with that from a fantasy point of view but in a situation like this where he's not the starter and he's got this injury concern then i don't have confidence that he does that as consistently as what he did before the, um, this is the normally the portion of the show where we talk about the uh, the young incoming 2016 draft picks, Jared. But unfortunately, it's blank yeah, on, I our, love on our the sheet. Knicks draft pick this year. It was great. Yep, it's uh, a at least at least none of them will be busts. We can uh, we'll frame it in a, in a positive in a positive sense. But what we can do is we can talk about uh, Billy Hernan Gomez, who's coming across because he was. <laughs> He's basically their their draft choice because they picked him, or they didn't pick him. The Sixers picked him last season and traded him on draft night with a very early second round selection. He was the backup center for Spain in the Olympics, playing behind Pau Gasol, and now he's coming over. What what do we do? We think he just slits, slots slots directly into that backup center role behind Noah, or is he behind O'Quinn to start the season? How do you see Hernan Gomez fitting in, and what do you know about him? Yeah, I think that that will probably be a something that's hashed out in training camp. The the battle between him and O'Quinn, if you can call it that, you know, maybe the Knicks really do play two true big men at all times. I would be surprised, you know, just based on what I know of Hornacek's coaching style, if they if they did play two real big men at all times and wound up playing O'Quinn and Hernan Gomez together. Um, I think if he does win that job, it's going to be 
you know, a, a 12 to 15 minute kind of thing. And, you know, he'll get some post-up opportunities. He'll get some rebounds. I could see him being a, a marginally efficient scorer just because he does have a good back-to-the-basket game. But I think it's something that you saw in the Olympics, his, his lack of burst off the ground. You know, he's a very ground-bound player. I think could lead to him getting his shot blocked a bunch and not necessarily being quite as effective because he's not yet stronger than all the guys he's going to be going up against. You know, as he matures and gets older and he develops a little bit more strength, he'll be able to move guys with that shoulder and get that flip that flip shot up that he has uh, up before they can recover and block it. But for now, I don't think he's necessarily strong enough to just move guys out of the way like he did some uh, in Spain a couple of years ago, and that could hinder his effectiveness a little bit. For those of you that don't know, Hernan Gomez was uh, Puzingas' teammate back at Sevilla um, in their draft year. Then he he moved across to Real Madrid last season, and he didn't play a huge amount over there. Um, obviously, it's, it's a big Yeah, he team. barely played at all yeah. uh, last season. Well, the Knicks have got a couple of people coming across from uh, Real Madrid. They um, will head into their free agency signings now because one of the players they, they did bring across is Maurice Ndua, who was... Uh one of the Knicks, I don't know, cold heroes in the 2015 Summer League. He was um, yep. really, I don't know, is that the best way to describe it? Because he was just, people just no, got excited watching him. 100% cold hero. People loved him. And then he uh, signed with Dallas, got cut, and went across to Spain and literally barely saw the court. I think he played about eight minutes a night, didn't play in, in majority of the games, but he's back. And he, he joins a, a group of Knicks. And look, they didn't have a draft choice, but they've got um, they've got five rookies coming across. They've got Hernan Gomez and Nadua coming across from uh, Real Madrid. They've got Marshall Plumley, as you touched on already, an undrafted rookie. They've got uh, Mindaugas Kuzminskis, who you already touched on, and Chasen Randall is uh, coming across from uh, from Russia, Russia as well. So they've they've got a stack of rookies, and this adds to their, their bench depth, which I think is a real concern, um, given there's just so many unproven players. We've talked about Plumley a little bit already. Does How does Kuzminskis look? Because his defense is going to be a real concern, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, and I think you saw that in the Olympics as well. The the encouraging thing in the Olympics, though, is that he played basically the same role for his national team that I would expect. If he does win minutes, that he'll play with the Knicks. He was sort of a supplementary offensive player, uh, shooting some threes, attacking some closeouts, getting out on the break. And I think you saw that he could do all three of those things. You know, he's not a high-level guy at, at any of them, except maybe getting out on the break. But if, if he finds guys to run with him, then he can, you know, be effective in that role. It's, it won't be for very many minutes. You know, the high-minute bench guys likely are going to be Lance and Jennings. Um, you know, and, and even after that, I think you're more likely to see uh, whoever of O'Quinn and Hernan Gomez wins that role and then maybe Justin Holiday, um, just because they really don't have a backup two-guard. Yep. Um, you're not counting and- uh, Sasha? Yeah, I mean, look, if if Kurt Rambis was the coach, then I would say, yeah, Sasha's going to play a bunch. Uh, I would hope and expect that Jeff Hornacek will will end that experiment, but, you know, who knows. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, Mindaugas, I think if he he plays, um, can be effective in short bursts against benches, but he'll get in trouble defensively, and especially if he winds up having to guide to, to excuse me to guard more athletic guys that are you know typically starters. 
yeah, he's a the defense will be an issue. Look, he he can score, but the the bench depth there is a there is a chance for him to get, especially if say Thomas has to miss any time, which he missed some time last season. Um, if Holiday doesn't work out, if it depends on how they they want to run it, but he's he's definitely not their worst bench player. I wouldn't say he's got he's got a, a role there for him as a sort of a, a perimeter based scorer who's who is going to have some uh, some issues. What about Chase and Randall? He is, to me at this point, he's probably the favorite for the 15th spot on the roster. He's also got Ron Baker and JP Tokoto to um, to battle. Who do you think gets that, that role? Because I, I look at it in Randall and go, they just need a third point guard. They don't have a third point guard. Yeah, I think they definitely need a third point guard, but I also think that that's something that's going to come down to a camp battle as well. Uh, I know they liked... Baker as sort of like a triangle-style point guard. He's not necessarily someone who's going to have the ball in his hands all the time, but can set up the offense and then shoot off of the other guys on the court. Um, and that's something that can work well when you have you know, high-usage small forward in Carmelo, a guy you'd like to touch the ball a lot in Chris Dapps, and even another guy who can help you run the offense in Noah. So you know, that's something that could fit decently well for him and I think works to his advantage. Um, where, where Randall doesn't necessarily have the same kind uh, of shooter's skill set. So he's, he's more, I think, of a natural point guard, but that might not necessarily be what the Knicks are looking for in that spot. It, it's just a matter of what they prefer. Regardless, neither of those guys has got massively high ceilings. It's going to have much of a... Uh much of an impact really in any sort of fantasy league but a guy that will is the the last of their um, free agent acquisitions and that's Courtney Lee who was you know started the season for Memphis traded to Charlotte started pretty much every uh, every game last season he comes across slots into the starting shooting guard role that was him at the start of this show who gave that quote saying yeah your championship and we're all you know joining together chips on ash whatever he was saying at the start that that was him Courtney Lee yep. joins. What? What does he? How does his role change? Because to me, he has been one of the kings in terms of statistical production of doing the least with the most. So he'd get the most minutes and just do nothing with them. Like he just doesn't touch the ball. He, he plays you know, really solid off ball, on ball defense. He he can get an occasional steal, but he just doesn't get involved enough with rebounding or assists or or you know, shooting volume of threes. How does he fit in with this team? Do you think that he can take a step forward, or will all these other usage high players really just? relegate him to the same sort of role he's had throughout his career yeah i think he's probably going to wind up playing pretty much the same role i think he might wind up playing more minutes though because the knicks really don't have anybody else to back him up like i expect him to be a relatively low usage but high efficiency guy who is basically a, a catch and shoot threes and the occasional secondary attack um as as like the the backup pick and roll when it gets kicked out or maybe taking it to the basket off of one of those kickouts. Um, that That's who he is, and he does that very well. And that fits in well with the concept of what it seems like they're building in their starting lineup. You know, if it's going to be, you know, Rose pick and rolls or Carmelo isolations or, or Carmelo pick and rolls or Noah facilitating from the elbows, you know, it makes sense to have Courtney Lee spotting up or flying off screens and attacking closeouts. And that's what he does well. You know, he's not going to rebound all that much. You know, they have the Knicks. Carmelo, over the last couple of years, has stepped up his rebounding. Chris Stapps was a good rebounder last year. Noah's a good rebounder. You know, they have the, their guys that are going to grab the rebounds. You know, even Rose position, for his position uh, has in the past at, at times rebounded well. So I would imagine Lee is not going to rebound very much. He's not going to get very many assists. 
You know, he'll he'll do his work in passing lanes like he always does, uh, steal and a half or so a night, and he'll play like you said, good on ball defense. But the the touches I don't think will necessarily be there for the fantasy perspective, but on court perspective for how he affects the Knicks offensively. I think it will be very much like he's done in, in Orlando and New Jersey and Houston and Boston and Memphis and Charlotte where his his gravity and his shooting and his ability to work off of screens, you know, plays a big role for them and it'll it'll help them a lot. It's just not necessarily going to show up uh, that big in, in his numbers. Yeah, look, he, he's been a really, really impressive three-point shooter uh, throughout his career. Like, he shot 38% last year, 40 the year before, 37, 37, 40 over his last five years. So he, he's going to hit threes at a high rate. He's a, an efficient free-throw shooter, like a very high percentage free-throw shooter. He's been over 82% in each of the last five seasons. Uh, he's, you know, in terms of field goal percentage as a shooting guard, he's pretty high up there, but the volume just isn't there and he just doesn't do enough in those other categories the steals are nice but to me he's just a deeper league player he's not someone that even though you might see him come in in our rankings and I think he's ranked 130th I wouldn't be necessarily picking him there because I just don't see any upside for him to get better than that that's just who he is that's who he continues to be and that's great and it works really well in a team construct but it just doesn't stand out in a statistical point of view yeah I think the upside comes um, in the case of injuries yeah. Uh, you know, if, if Rose gets hurt, or especially if Carmelo gets hurt, then they're going to need somebody else in the perimeter to do more than what they're being counted on for. And you know, Carmelo has missed a bunch of games the last few years. You know, it's it's no guarantee that he plays even like seventy games or so. You know, pro- I think last year he played exactly seventy, uh, or he played seventy-two last year, but the year before he played forty. Um, he had a 67-game season before that. Even the lockout season, he missed 11 games. Um, so it's there. there's opportunity for him to do more, but I think it all depends on Rose or Carmelo getting hurt for an extended period of time. The problem with, as you mentioned, Mallow, if, if he gets hurt, then the guy that yeah, steps into his role is Lance Thomas and he's very much in the Corny Lee mold he is not a high usage high volume type of player so someone has to absorb it Noah's not a high usage guy he doesn't absorb it yes, so Rose, I would imagine it would be you know Rose and Kristaps you would think they would get their usage bump yeah, they might even get to 30% during that sort of time but Lee would be the next guy that takes a leap up because Lance Thomas just yeah, for as good as he is and for as much of a, a you know, solid team defender and good teammate and all that stuff that he is, he just is not able to take on any sort of volume offensively that'll have to fall into Lee's hands. So it is something worth monitoring, but drafting a guy late, hoping that Mallow gets injured maybe in February, it's just not it's not going to work out. Let's talk no. Let's talk Mallow now. Um, he changed his game last season. I think that... that he gets he gets um, roasted in a lot of areas, and he has throughout his career. But I, I have a lot of respect for Mellow for what he does. Um, I like this sort of don't give a shit Mellow that's sort of happening at the moment. We, the the comment he had to the fan about James Dolan last season, I really enjoy that. I like the fact that he's improved his rebounding, as you mentioned. He really got his assists up, and he started moving the ball more as well. He he does a lot of things that you know, people say oh he's a he's a black hole but he's just he's not he's just not that guy anymore he's able to do a few extra things have you how have you viewed this sort of you know, evolution in Mello's game I'm I'm of two minds about it and that's something I feel like I've said a few different times on this podcast because it's something I've always wanted to see from him where you know he leverages the fact that he draws so much attention into finding spaces for other people on the court 
but it's it's still and this is something I wrote last season like he was doing so much for them and playing so well and because he showed you that he could do that it lets you know that he could do so much more you know like he could be a, a consistent five six assist a game guy if he dedicated himself to instead of shooting 20 times a game and taking his, you know, his one dribble step backs or, um, you know, three or four shots near the basket on us on a possession. Um, you know, if, if he leveraged that attention into more of those cross court looks or, you know, simple kickouts to, to kickstart ball movement that maybe even the ball then comes back to him later on, you know, and it's, it's wonderful to see him play that way in the Olympics where he's just sort of, a sniper or he's moving the ball. Um, the talent level on the Knicks obviously is not nearly <laughs> as high and they need him to be a, a different kind of player. And would it be nice to see him play like he plays in the Olympics with the Knicks? Of course, but you know, you need much better guys to facilitate that kind of play. And the Knicks just don't have that kind of talent to be able to see that on an every night basis. He, he's still going to be a guy that's a, a 20 point, plus per night yeah. scorer he's still he's going to get nice rebounds good assist he, he's a really really solid fantasy guy in that third round sort of range you'll see him ranked you know, relatively highly on yahoo a bit lower on espn but into the second round third round it, to get a guy that gets you 23 24 points there's just not many of those guys <coughs> around and getting him there along with you know, decent efficiency and, and nice contributions in other categories the injuries are a concern as you, as you touched on but I think he's going to continue just to be that same sort of guy with a few evolutions in his game, but the bulk of his stuff, what he does, it just it remains it remains <coughs> as it is, and I think that's a I think that's a, a credit to him that he's been able I think to evolve you'll get parts. Get a nice boost from him in his three point shooting this year, though. I okay. think that that will come back up. You know, he shot um, in in three of his seasons with the Knicks in the either the high thirties or the forties. You know, he was at thirty eight percent one year, forty percent, forty two percent in that. You know, it's um, the stint of the season where he got traded to the Knicks, but then in his other three seasons, he's been 34%, 34%, 34%. So I would expect just because, um, you know, Kristaps drawing more attention, having a, a better passer at that other big man spot and Noah having a, a point guard, whether it's Rose or Jennings that attacks the basket and draws a little bit more attention. I would think that he'll be a little bit more open from three this year. And he's healthier this year as well uh, coming into the season. You know, he's not coming off an injury like he was last year, and he's not already hurt like he was two years ago. So I would think that that he could get that three-point percentage back up into the high 30s too. Now, I know that my listeners are going to want me to talk talk to you about Cock because Kylo Quinn is one of my favorite favorite players yeah, you know, I've I've this bunch of sort of guys that are, that are my favorite players, and there's no real reason for it. But I'm a, I'm a big O'Quinn fan, and I feel like the last two seasons he has been buried for no reason. And my correlation behind it is that he's played for two of the worst coaches in the NBA. In Orlando, he was playing under Jack Vaughn, didn't see the court. Cool, Vaughn, you're a terrible coach, bad decision. Then he plays under Derek Fisher and Kurt Rambis, buried again. He is a guy that has shown back in Orlando in that season before his last one there when he was starting games for Nick Vucevic and he was contributing. He stretched out a little bit to three. He blocks a lot of shots. He gets a lot of rebounds. He's a solid offensive player. He's a good defender. And then they just didn't play him. And same thing in New York. Am I just completely misplaced in my faith for O'Quinn, or is it just Hornacek's going to go, you know what, this guy's actually really good. Let's get him on the court. Let's see how him and Chris Stapps work together. Let's 
let's see how this all, all, all goes. I don't think you're necessarily misplaced. It's, you know, things have happened sort of beyond his control. Like last year, uh, early in the season, he had that, that backup big man job. And, and this is something that, you know, I've, I've talked about in connection with him. He's a very high-risk passer. So when he throws a, this really risky pass and it gets through, you're like, wow, that guy is, is such a talent. He looks great. Get him the ball more. Let him facilitate. But then he throws a similar pass, and it goes right into a guy's hands. And you're like, what is this guy doing on the court right now? And last year, because you know his, his playing time was inconsistent, uh, he got very, very trigger-happy with both his passes and especially with his jumper, where it seemed like every time he touched the ball, he was launching that mid-range jumper, and, and Fisher was just not having either one of those things and sort of yanked him from the rotation in favor of Kevin Serafin, then sort of shuffled the two of them back and forth, and it just was not good for either of them. So I, I, I do think that the talent is there. Like, he is capable of making good passes, and he's always been a good rebounder, especially on the defensive side of the court. So that could work for them. But the, the questions to me are, does he play within the offense because he's not a guy who's a foundational offensive player even as the foundation of your bench unit he's more of a supplementary kind of guy that that moves the ball and can hit the jumper if it's there rather than someone who you're running your offense through at the elbow and who should be jacking the jump the jumper every time he touches the ball and then the other question is can he move his feet well enough defensively to justify being on the court because last year he really didn't do that at all yeah, it seemed to me that at times he was. You referenced the jerking back and forward between Seraphin and O'Quinn, and that that to me affects guys' confidence, and it affected both of those players. So I think they are, are a lot better than what they showed last season. But yeah, he he, he wasn't at his best, but he, we've seen that he can be a lot better than uh, than what he is, and he's a, he's definitely one of my uh, one of my favorite players for whatever reason. I don't know, maybe it's the beard. There's something about him that I really yeah. I really think last it's pretty year, exciting. He struggled relatively compared to previous years uh finishing in close which was an issue as well yeah he's also got the the widest name for a black man that i've probably ever heard (laughs) yeah well he would fit right in in boston yes exactly he's uh he's part of that i think bill simmons had the the reggie cleveland all-stars he's definitely in that uh in in that group oh 100 percent. yep he's definitely in that group because when you see that name there's there's no chance that you think that he looks like that but there he is and he's uh he's definitely uh on board as one of my favorites Lance Thomas, he um, signed a, a pretty hefty contract for a guy that he came across to the to the Knicks early, oh, early in 2014-15 season, and then was waived pretty much immediately. And then they re-signed him. What do you make of him at age 28 now? Is this just who he is? What was last season an aberration in terms of him playing better? Look, what what do we make of a guy that? It bounced around the league for such a long time. The Knicks have already cut once and then re-signed and then signed to a big contract. Well, the the thing with the the cut he was he came over in uh, the Iman Shumper J.R. Yep. Smith trade, and they cut him and then signed him to a ten day contract and then signed him for the rest of the year after that. So it was more like the mechanics. It wasn't like they were cutting him because they wanted to get rid of him. It was they were cutting him so they could get him on a different deal. Um, so that that was how that worked out. Um, he's someone that. When he was in New Orleans and Oklahoma City, and if you go back through my Twitter, 
you can see that I said this, like, I think he just knows where to be. And that's really valuable from a bench guy. Um, he knows when to make his cuts and where. He knows where to be defensively within the team scheme. And he, he last year showed himself especially to be a very good one-on-one defender. Um, and, and I think he made more threes last season than he had attempted in his entire basketball career, NBA and college combined. That, that happened uh, for a lot of players last season. I don't think he made a three at all at Duke. And he made 40, <laughs> okay. 44 last season after having seven in his career before that. Shot 40% from three on the year. Uh, was starting to cool down a little bit before he wound up being out for the year, but that was partially because he was injured. Um, I think if he can maintain the mid-30s even, that makes him a very useful bench guy for the Knicks, not necessarily uh, all that useful of a, a fantasy guy because I don't know if he'll play more than you know, 20, 25 or so minutes a game. But being able to knock down that three off the kickout, uh, grab some rebounds, make some cuts. Um, last year even showed on occasion the ability to make some smart passes. So it makes him a very useful player within their team scheme if he can maintain that shooting. He's and, the... um, he's, he's also just a really good dude, oh, which I've is always nice to see um, that, that kind of guy succeed. He's To me, he's the, the opposite of uh, former Knicks point guard of the future, Tony Roden, in that he's a much better real-life basketball player than what he is a fantasy player, whereas Roden is one of the worst basketball players uh, that's played in the NBA in the last couple of years, but he would rack up stats at the detriment to everything else that was happening on the team. But Thomas is a guy that even if he played 32 minutes, I don't think he'd even come close to cracking the top 150 in fantasy. He just does everything right, but it doesn't accumulate stats, and that's why teammates love him, but from a fantasy point of view, then he's just completely, uh, completely irrelevant in that sort of in that sort of a sense. Now, if we look yeah, at the, so much of his value comes from like filling in the spaces between stars on the team do, and that's something that sometimes shows up in the box score, sometimes doesn't, but often uh, does not show up in the fantasy box yeah. score, and uh, but is incredibly important to, to actual on court success, especially when he winds up playing in like those mixed lineups with the starters let's talk uh breakout candidates jared um i, I don't think this there's a, there's a pretty obvious one that we can look at yeah, here. there's only one and it's a very obvious one <laughs> yeah there, there, is it there's no one else apart from chris Tapps, is there no i mean most of the other guys that are going to factor into the rotation are you know well-known commodities and in their late 20s or 30s you know so, I mean, this is really the only guy that's a, a surefire, high-minute guy that is before his physical prime. You know, he's, he's still 20. He's seven years away from, you know, the, the statistical physical prime. Um, he's got room to grow. You know, improvement is not necessarily always linear. So it, it's certainly possible that he doesn't make a big jump this year. But I, I, I think it's more likely that he is improved than that he stays the same. Like I, and I think that that's a pretty safe assumption and the, probably the consensus assumption as well. Yeah, I can't see any way that he gets significantly worse. He did have a bit of a drop-off towards the end of the season, but there's a couple of reasons. He was battling shoulder issues, and he was also battling Kurt Rambis because Rambis was playing that him. Kurt Rambis and the fact that 
you know, the most number of games he had ever played in a season before last year, I think was like 31. And uh, he played 72 games last year. I think he played the first like 55 or 60, all of them in a row uh, b- before he missed a game against Detroit, uh, I think was in January. Uh, played, played the first 47 games of the season, sat out a game against Detroit, then played another, I think, 15 or so games and then at that point started uh, m- missing a couple here and there and then sat out, I think, the last seven games of the season. Yeah. Wound up playing 72, which was more than double uh, his previous high. He, he was just used horribly down the stretch as well, with Rambus refusing to use him in a in a pick-and-pop situation. He was you know, continuing trying to post him up, you know, floating out thoughts of playing him at the three, just stuff that just didn't work in Puzingas' favor whatsoever. Um, he is the obvious breakout. Look, there's plenty of rookies on this team, as I mentioned. There's yeah, Hernan Gomez, there's Kuzminskis, there is um, Plumlee, Ndua, Randall, then there could be Tokoto, Baker. These guys, all these guys haven't played in the NBA, so it's hard to predict breakouts from guys we've never seen play, and that is what's they making They also up. just, none of them has a really defined role. That's true. Team. Like, one or two of them might play, you know, 10, 15 minutes a night, but you don't know who it's going to be. So it's it's hard to call any of them a real breakout candidate. What's your bold prediction for this team? It can be anything that you want, Jared. You can uh, you can mention a trade. You can say a big uh, decline from a player. You could say anything a player you know slips into the front row of the crowd and Spike Lee breaks his leg. It can be whatever whatever <laughs> sort of bold prediction you want. Um. Hmm, that's a good question. I hadn't thought about this before the podcast, so I'm going to have to completely freelance one. Um, I'll say, uh, yeah, I'll go with the one that I said was possible before. You know, completely bold out of out of nowhere that that Brandon Jennings winds up being, uh, you know, a more relevant, I guess, for your fantasy purposes, point guard than Derrick Rose, whether it's because of injury or ineffectiveness uh, just doesn't see the court enough for the opposite to be true. Fair enough. That's uh, that's that's what we want from our bold predictions. I think we've covered uh, everyone on the Knicks uh, here. Jared, anything you want to add about this team? No, that's uh, that all covers it. I think, um, you know, to me, I, I guess this I'll throw out there because of, you know, the, the Courtney Lee quote that you opened the podcast with. Yep. Um, I do want to say that, you know, obviously, you know, what else do you expect him to say? Exactly. Of course, he's going to say we're contenders. Um, To me, the thing that would be, would make the season a success is, and this is something I've said on the Locked On Knicks podcast as well, if when Lee, Carmelo, Chris Stapps, and Noah are on the court together, if they're above average on offense and defense with those four guys on the court, that's a successful season to me. And and that's all I want to see because none of the other guys is necessarily going to be there long-term. And that would show that the foundation of their starting lineup um, is on the road towards success. And if you've got, you know, a star point guard in there, that a guy who's still a star point guard and not a star name point guard, you know, so if you got one of those guys in there, then they could maybe push into the top 10 on both sides. 
which then would make them the contender that Courtney Lee says they are. Well, there you go. That's uh, I think they're reasonable expectations, and uh, Knicks fans yeah, don't don't be expecting championships. But yeah, you're just looking for progress. You're looking for um, hope and and growth. And I think yeah, there's you know I think we're going to see a huge season from from Porzingis especially, and that's enough to get. We saw a huge season from him last season, but I think he he does really start to. And we talk about maybe he's the third option behind Rose. There's a chance that he plays well enough that he they make him look. He has to be the second option, and Rose just has to go. Cool. I've just got to get this guy the ball because he is just driving everything here, and and that that's a real situation that, that could occur. I think. I think it could occur. I don't know if necessarily Rose is wired that <laughs> yeah. way, and it's something that I am very much looking forward to asking him when camp starts. Is sort of, you know, because the the Knicks have this guy who uh, they obviously want so much of and is huge for the future of the franchise. And he's a big man and obviously is dependent on his guards to get him the ball. I would very much like to know how much responsibility Rose feels that for for Kristaps' development and for getting him involved and, and how that will affect the way he plays his own game. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that plays out. Well, once once you ask uh, Derek that question, I'm sure that you'll have the, uh, the information on the Locked On Knicks podcast, Jared. So I do recommend that everyone goes and listens to that podcast, subscribes to it, and uh, and checks out all Knicks information that's coming via you. Let's uh, let's wrap it up. Plug uh, your Twitter handle and anything that you might have coming up that uh, you want people to know about. Sure, yeah. Um, I'm on Twitter at jadubin 5 uh, you can follow the, the podcast on Twitter as well, at Locked on Knicks. Keep an eye out. Uh, I'll have another podcast, possibly two, next week. Check out the ones we did this week with uh, with Matt Moore and Chris Herring. And uh, my writing is all over the place. If you follow me on Twitter, I send out links all the time. And there's a link in my bio that shows you um, all of my archives at the various sites I write for. So that's probably the easiest way to find my stuff. Yeah, so check out check out Jared there on Twitter. I'm sure you're already following him, but if you're not, follow him. Check out the Locked On Knicks podcast and leave a review. As I said, do the same for this podcast. You can find both of our shows on iTunes, on Stitcher, on TuneIn, on Google Play. So however you want to consume the podcast, it's there for you. Do it, subscribe. I'm sure you won't be disappointed. Jared, thank you for taking the time to come on and, and uh, talk about the Knicks with me today. Sure thing, man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. See ya. iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details.